with me to Galatians chapter 1. And tonight's going to be just a little bit unusual as far as the lesson message goes, all right? But I have been, I've been uh, praying about which book to study next. In the past couple of weeks, we've doubled up on the miracles of Christ on Wednesdays and Sundays. But uh, I've been praying about which book to, to go to next, and I can't get away from the book of Galatians. And I thought about uh, going into the book of Galatians, studying that primarily on Sunday mornings. But I think it would be do, do good to, well, do either one. And, uh, but I think what I might do is do Galatians on Wednesday evenings and then keep doing the miracles of Christ on Sunday mornings. And uh, you never can tell, I might just switch it up again right in the middle of it all. And um, I'll be honest with you, sometimes I feel like a squirrel on Red Bull at times, and I apologize about that. You may think that sometimes about me, but, but it ain't on purpose, I promise. But, uh, but anyway, so, so we'll look at Galatians and the miracles of Christ. I may do a little bit on Wednesday and some on Sunday, but primarily my goal is to do Galatians on Wednesday and the uh, miracles of Christ on Sunday morning. So anyway, so let's look this evening at Galatians chapter number 1. And as we start this book together, let me ask you this question. When you think of the book of Galatians, what comes to mind? Or maybe a theme, what theme comes to mind? Or maybe in a verse, what, what comes to mind when you think of the book of Galatians? Someone tell me. I am crucified with Christ. I'm crucified with Christ. Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 20. Amen. What else comes to mind? Freedom. Freedom, absolutely. That's what comes to my mind as well when I think of the book of Galatians. Liberty. There's liberty found in Christ. Liberty found in Christ. Well, other things that come to my mind, I think of this. I think of grace. I think of the one, only one true gospel. I think of faith in Christ alone, salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. Uh, in this book of Galatians, listen, it's very centered around the gospel. Uh, it's very centered around Christ himself. Listen, all the books are centered around, around the Lord, but it just seems this book of the Bible is just a little, little extra centered around Jesus. Because you'll find, you'll find in Galatians, you'll find the word gospel fi found 12 times in six chapters. You also find the name Christ 39 times in six chapters. You'll find the name Jesus 17 times in six chapters. So as you're going through the book of Galatians, I encourage you to read through it as we're studying together through it. As you go through the book of Galatians, you'll find the central, central theme of it is Jesus. It's Christ. It's the gospel. It's the gospel. So listen, this book of the Bible that is titled Galatians, understand something, it's all about Jesus. It is all about Jesus. So let's dive into it uh, this evening. And as we do... What I like for do again, it's a little unusual. What I like to do, at least for this evening's uh, service, this evening's message, is to do more of a, um, an overview. Okay, an overview of of this of this book, and I believe in doing that. I believe it'll get us give us a better understanding of the book of Galatians as a whole, and it'll help aid in our study of this book together. All right. So this evening, bear with me and take a few notes, and I think it'll it'll help. Help us all as we look at the book of Galatians, all right? So, the overview I'd like to bring to our attention is more on the historical part of the book, all right, itself. 
So take note, number one this evening, I'd like for you to take note about the book of Galatians is this. Number one, who wrote it? Who wrote it? All right. Now I know this is a no-brainer, okay? It's Paul. It's a no-brainer. It's Paul. The Bible says in verse number one, Paul, an apostle. So the human penman of this book is the apostle Paul himself, introduces himself in verse number one, but introduces himself not just as Paul, but Paul, an apostle. Now, when we dive into the, the meat of the book, we'll find out why that was very important for him to start out that way, all right? But just take note, the human penman behind this book is Paul himself, and he's writing, he's the writer of Galatians. Okay, then take note of this, all right? When was it written? Now, the exact date of April 22nd of 50 AD, we don't know exactly, all right? We don't know the exact date, but we have a good ballpark uh, estimate. It could be around 55 to 60 AD and many land on around that 60 AD. Although there's some that land earlier around 50, around 50 AD. But nonetheless, here's why it's important. Because of the ruler at the time, who was ruling the provinces, who was ruling the Roman Empire at this time, and that was Nero himself. Now, we've talked about him before as we studied through the, the, the book, of, book of Acts. We've gone through uh, the new uh, the churches in Revelation. And we've know, we know a little bit about Nero, all right? We know he was a tyrant. We know he persecuted Christians. He hated believers. But understand, this is the ruler at the time. He was the political climate of the day, the persecution that was going on. This is, this is the time frame in which Paul is writing to the churches at Galatia. So who wrote it? It was Paul. When was it written? Around 60 A.D., all right? Now, to whom, to whom was it written? All right. Verse number 2, the Bible says, in Galatians chapter 1, And all the brethren which, uh, which are with me unto the churches of Galatia. Now, when we're talking about Galatia here, we're not talking about just one city, all right? We're not talking about just one city like we'd say to the church at Philippi, the Philippians, all right? We're not talking about just that. No, we're talking more about a region, more like a larger territory on a map. It'd be like this, all right? It'd be like you're looking at the map of the U.S., and if I pointed to states like New York, Massachusetts, Pennsylvania, and those kind of, that area, those states up there, you would call that section on the map what? Foreign countries, correct. You're right. No, oh, New England, yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> the North, all right. We'd say New England or the North, right? And if I had to point to states like uh, California and Oregon and, and Nevada, you would call those states left, left, left coast, west coast. Yes, you're right, all right. The West, we'd say that's the West section of the United States. And, of course, we said we're North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida. We would say that's... God's country, amen, okay. Or the south, all right, southeast. So, so when you're thinking of this book as a whole, keep in mind we're talking about Galatia as a region. This is, this is not just a city he's writing to. No, he's talking about a region, all right. And this, this uh, larger region was really spread across the middle of Asia Minor. In this region, there were many different cities. This is why it's important. It starts putting pieces for me, okay? So I want to bring it out. It starts putting pieces for me together. Because hey, in, in this region, you'll have cities like, that'll, they'll ring the bell, cities like this, cities like Derby, 
and Lystra, Iconium, Antioch, and there's others. But you may be familiar with some of those cities, especially, especially as you read in the book of Acts, chapter 13 and 14, which is the first missionary journey of Paul himself, because it's these very cities that Paul came to, to, to preach the gospel, teach the gospel, plant churches. He led people to Christ in these cities, but that's the region of Galatia. So it's very likely, as Paul sits down to write this letter, around 60 A.D., he's writing this letter to the churches of Galatia, which the cities could have well have been of Derby, Lystra, Iconium, in that region. And no, no doubt when the churches got this letter to the Galatians, they would make a copy of themselves and send that original down the road to the next church. So I believe this is whom, whom who he's writing to, this, this broad spectrum of churches, not just to a city, but to a bunch of different cities, really to churches in the area of Galatia. Now here's where I really want to get to this evening. Not just who wrote it, that's easy, we know. Not when, well, it's kind of interesting to know that historical fact. I mean, it puts little, little things in perspective, especially when you understand the ruler and the time frame of it. And to whom he's writing, it helps put the pieces together for me. But here's really where I want to get to this evening as we're considering the overview and the backdrop before we dive into the book itself is this one. You ready? It's why. Why did Paul write this book? Why did the Holy Spirit of God Move Paul to write the book of Galatians. Why? That he sit down and pen this book of the Bible to the churches in Galatia. What were the believers facing in such a time that they were going through around that time frame uh, under the rule of the heavy hand of Nero? What were their struggles? Why did they need this message we find in Galatia? This pointed message that had, a, that had a deep yet simple message. Why did they need this letter? I'm glad you asked. We find out why. You see, Paul, after he established the churches there in the area and region of Galatia, after preaching the gospel, after seeing people saved, after he teaching these people the word of God, discipling these individuals, after he ordained, the Bible says in the book of Acts, elders in each church, in each area. After he had done that, after, after he uh, started church, uh, ordained elders, basically put a pastor into the church, then after returning back home, after his first missionary journey, here's what began to happen. At some point in time, there were legalistic Jews called Judaizers who were trying to infiltrate the churches that Paul had started, had planted began to teach individuals whom Paul loved and cared for and led to Christ, began to teach them another gospel, began to teach them false doctrine, began to, feed, to, to teach them a false gospel. Look at Galatians chapter 1 and verse number 6. After he gives his introduction, he says this in verse 6, I am honorable. He says, I am so shocked. I am surprised. I am honorable that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble and would pervert the gospel of Christ, that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of, of Christ. But that another gospel, that gospel he's talking about, was not the one that Paul preached, that Paul taught, 
No, he did not teach them that. He did not preach them that. No, here's what he preached. So take your, take your, your finger and keep it there in Galatians 1, all right? And then go over to Acts chapter 13. Here's what he preached. Here's what he taught to this people of this region of Galatia. Uh, Acts chapter 13, okay? Look at verse number, uh, verse number 17. Acts 13 and verse number 17. Paul speaking. <clears throat> The God of this people of Israel chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt. And with a high, high arm brought he out of it. And about the time of forty years suffered he their manners in the wilderness. And when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he divided their land to them by lot. And after that he gave unto them judges about the space of four hundred and forty years unto Samuel the prophet. And afterward they desired a king. And, and God gave unto them Saul, the son of Sis, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, by the space of forty years. And when he removed him, he raised up unto, unto them David to be their king. And whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Of this man's seed hath God, according to his purpose, or according to his promise, raised unto Israel a Savior, Jesus. When John had first preached before his coming the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel, and as John fulfilled his course, he said, Whom think ye that I am? I am not he. But behold, there cometh one after me, whose shoes of his feet I am not worthy to loose. Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you feareth God, to you is the word of the salvation sent. For they that dwell at Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, nor yet the voices of the prophets which are read every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled them in condemning him. And though they found no cause of death in him, yet desired they Pilate that he should be slain. And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulcher. But God raised him from the dead. And he was seen many days of them which came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who were his witnesses unto the people. And we declare unto you glad tidings, how that the promise, how the promise which was made unto the fathers, God hath fulfilled the same unto us, their children, in that he hath raised up Jesus again. As it is also written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And as concerning that he raised him up from the dead, now no more to return to corruption, he said on this wise, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Wherefore, he saith also in another psalm, Thou shalt not suffer thine holy one to see corruption. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on sleep, and was laid unto his fathers, and saw corruption. But he, whom God raised again, saw no corruption. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And by him all that believe are justified from all things, from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. Beware, therefore, lest that come upon you which is spoken of the prophets. Behold, ye despisers, and wonder, and perish. For I work a work in your days, and work which ye shall no wise believe, though a man declare it unto you. And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. So here what, here what Paul is doing in Acts chapter 13, he's preaching in the synagogue. He's preaching to Jewish people, and he, as he said, them that fear God. What does that mean? That means Gentiles who are there as well. Uh, we would say proselytes, all right? That's who is in there. So these are the people he has preached to. These are the people who have heard the gospel, true gospel, the glad tidings as he said it in verse number, uh, verse number 32. They heard the glad tidings that came through Christ 
through his death, burial, and resurrection. This is what Paul preached to the people in the area of Galatia. This is his message. This is his recorded message. This is the gospel that was preached unto them. In the very beginning, as he preached this message, he gave them a quick history lesson, of course, in verse 17 through 25, showing them the many times that God delivered them, how God was good to them, how God answered their prayer, how God fulfilled his promises, showing how good God was through their history. But he just want to give them a history lesson. This is the main reason he brought all that stuff up about the context of history in their history. For this reason, not for history's sake, but for hope's sake. He gave them the hope in verse 26 through 32 when he said, We declare unto you glad tidings. Meaning the gospel, meaning the good news of Jesus Christ. Understand something. As these, as these uh, Jewish people are in the synagogue this day in Acts 13, it was good news to hear the history of how good God had been to them. It was good news to know, look, God brought us out of Egypt. That would have been good news to rehearse. It was good news to know that you had a good king in David and that, that his throne was, was going to be set up. Look, that's a good news to be rehearsed and remembered. All these things he had brought up in history was good news, but he brought to them the best news. It wasn't found in those events, but rather the best news, the glad tidings was found in Christ. Again, in Acts chapter 13, verse 38 through 39, Be it known unto you therefore, men and brethren, that through this man, talking about Christ, is preached unto you forgiveness of sins. And by Him, that's Jesus, all that believe are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. So this is the glad tidings. This is the best news anyone could ever get, especially these, knowing that Messiah has come and salvation is here and it's free for all and it's not found in the law. I preface all that to say this, because here's why. Here's why I say that. At this time in the, in the churches in the region of Galatia, after Paul went back to Jerusalem, after Paul has preached the true, uh, pure gospel, there come some to pervert it. There come some, there come some to preach a false doctrine and false gospel, and that is the Judaizers. They were there to infiltrate the churches, trying to get the believers, these Christians, which, by the way, would have been a, a, a mixed group of, of Jews and Gentiles. All right, they're in Galatia. To get these believers to do this, to follow the law of Moses. But Paul made it very clear, very clear that you, you had no salvation in following the law of Moses. So here, here's what they've been doing, all right? These, these uh, Judaizers coming into the churches of Galatia, they would come in and say, oh, you, you, you've, you've accepted Jesus? That's good, but let me ask you this question. Have you ever been circumcised? That would have been a question they would have asked. They would ask this, well, well, well do, you follow, do you follow the, the law of Moses too? Oh, you don't. Oh, you've, you've never, you've never, you, you haven't done that covenant uh, uh, thing of, of circumcision. You, you've never done that? Oh, well, how can you be saved? There's no way. You're not following the law. You're not doing, you're not doing this or that. How can you really be saved? <laughs> That's what they would have been coming in and saying. That's what they were trying to get those that were not of Jewish background, trying to get them to be Jewish. Or those that were of Jewish background trying to get them back to following their Jewish tradition. This is what they would have been doing and teaching. Saying, you're not truly saved unless you're doing this 
also. They were adding works on top of believing in Jesus. And all this added together, at least in his Judaizer's mind, brought true salvation. But whether they realized it or not, mixing law and grace was very, very dangerous. Very dangerous. And what they were doing was they were building that wall that Jesus had already torn down by his cross, that middle wall of partition. Jesus tore that down with his sacrifice and with his blood. Here's what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 through 18. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, whom hath made, made, uh, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. He is making it plain. He's writing to the Ephesians too as well. That, listen, it's not you have the Jews and the Gentiles. No. He broke that wall down. We come by one spirit, by one salvation to one God. Because we're one in the Lord. He's making that very plain and very clear. But these Judaizers were trying to build that wall up once again. Bringing in a false gospel saying it's simply not good enough just to trust Jesus. Jesus was not good enough. You have to also obey Moses. This is wrong. This was dangerous. And doing this, a person will be doing, basically saying this. They're denying the work of Christ on the cross as the finished and final work for salvation. So, this false teaching was wrong and very dangerous. Therefore, Paul picks up his pen with a very quick and pointed response to go against this false gospel and false teaching. Listen to even these words. I want you to listen to them. Look, look, at, look at Galatians 1 and look at verse number 8. <clears throat> verse number 8. But though we, Paul speaking, though we or an angel from heaven, and by the way, <laughs> if you go back to uh, Acts 13 and 14, they received Paul as a... Uh, as one of the gods, like an angel, basically, all right? So he is, he is kind of bringing their minds back to what they were trying to uh, do for him or do to him. All right, here it is. Listen, listen. Verse number 8. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be, what's that next word? Accursed. All right? Look at verse number 9. As we said before, so, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be, next word, accursed. This is some very strong and powerful phraseology and, and, and wording that Paul is using. It's the word anathema, meaning this. I'm not being unkind when I say this. Meaning this, if someone preaches another gospel, a false gospel, that's other than what is in the Word of God, other than what Paul preached, he said, let him be accursed, meaning this, let that individual go to hell. 
That is the wording and the phraseology in anathema. Let him be accursed. Even that same word Paul uses when he has such a burden for his own people, for the Jewish people, he said, I wish myself accursed. He said, I wish I could go in their place if they'd be saved. It's the same word, anathema, accursed. He said, let him be accursed. He's using some very strong wording here as he's describing the, the fate of them that would preach another, another gospel. This is how serious Paul is about it. Salvation is in Jesus and in Jesus alone. I like what one author said. He said this, the gospel is God's remedy for the lost. He goes on to say, How fearful a crime, therefore, to try to poison the well of salvation. (laughs) But that's exactly what these Judaizers, what these false teachers and this false gospel was trying to do. Poison the well of salvation. So this false doctrine, this false gospel that was being brought in the churches of Galatia, whether knowingly or unknowingly, it was an attack of the devil himself, of course, but it was an attack it was an attack on, on the faith. It was an attack on the fellowship of the believers. It was hurting, dividing. It was, it was destroying even believers and churches there in Galatia. So this is the why. Paul, why are you writing Galatians? Oh, man, let me tell you. It's so important why I've got to write this, 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 uh, this record, this letter, because people are being, being swooned to another gospel that's not another it's a false gospel, and it's leading people to hell. I've got to address it, and I've got to address it, address it now. So understand, as he's addressing his false gospel, here is what, what Paul, the pen of Paul is going to do, what the Lord is going to do, okay? What Jesus does through the pen of Paul. Here's what he does. He brings us back. Brings us back to the simplicity that's in Christ. He brings us back to the liberty, to the freedom we have in Jesus. He brings us back to that grace that was given by God. He brings us back to the forgiveness that we have in Christ and in Christ alone. He brings us back to the true and real one gospel of Jesus Christ. He brings us to Jesus It's interesting as you read Galatians that these Judaizers were trying to bring the people back to the law. But Paul makes it very clear. He said, man, that's not why we do this. He says it was the law that brought us to Jesus like a schoolmaster. Every bit of the book of of Galatians, really every every bit of the book of the Bible brings us to Jesus. But this one, man, it's really, he's really emphasizing, really emphasizing the Lord Jesus Christ, the simplicity, the freedom, the grace, the salvation we have in Christ. You'll find it all in the book of Galatians. Did you know that Martin Luther, the great reformer, who was also my great, 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 great grandpappy. Uh, I don't know if he was or not, okay, but anyway, he had a good last name. Uh, but anyway, he, this was his, this was his, um, what do you call it? His acts. This is what he used to say faith alone in the Lord. Salvation is of the Lord. He said this is what he used as his acts to the, the, um, to the Pope, to the Catholic Church. This is the, the book of the Bible that he used the most to point people to faith in Christ and in Him alone. It's not in keeping a set of rules. It's not in keeping tradition. It's found in Jesus so this book, man, I'm excited about it. I don't know if you can tell or not, but I'm excited about the Galatians because it brings us to Jesus. 
It brings us to Jesus. So, I know it's a little unusual as far as doing a quick overview, really a bird's eye view of, uh, of this book of the Bible. Of who wrote it? It was Paul. When it was written, well, we don't know exactly, but around the time of 55, 60 A.D. when Nero was ruling. To whom it was written? Well, the churches of Galatia, that region, that area. But why it was written? Because the false gospel was infiltrating the churches. And listen, today it happens the same. This, this, book, this letter was so needed then in the first century, and understand it's so needed today in the 21st century as well. To point us to Jesus Christ. That's the who, the when, to whom, the why. And as we study this book together, we'll begin to see the what of the book of Galatians.